Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. Welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We are back with you after a week off, and we're going to talk today about a most important subject, and uh, that subject is love. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about love, Keith, I think we have to come to the text. And I think there's 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. Um, God is love, right? So the text is clear. God God doesn't just exhibit love. He uses the verb of being. God is love. Love is not God, but God is love, right? So God is love. Uh, in fact, 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So there's, okay, I'm supposed to love because God is love, right? So God is love. And but then at the same time, I, there's holy. There's the only uh, characteristic for God repeated three times in the Bible is mm-hmm. Isaiah six, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. Not two times holy. He's three times holy. Right. So he's completely holy. So you take these two characteristics of God, holy and love, and it's hard to say which one, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I actually heard Mark Dever say this the other day. So I'm totally ripping Dever off here, but it's holy love. Okay. God is holy love. And so love is holy. Love isn't just love unless it's holy love. Right. So we're talking about a high ethic. Right. So you're you're saying, Jolly, that love um, has boundaries. Like love can't mean just anything. Yeah, love can't mean what I want it to right. mean. God is love. So who is God? And if God is holy <laughs> and love is holy, what what are we talking about? Right. So we, you know, we've talked in this podcast over and over again about um, about the the importance of reading the scriptures, and then from the scriptures, we we ask ourselves the question: What does this say about God? Right. Then we ask the question: Well, then what does it say about us? So to understand. To understand what love means to me and you, we have to understand what what love means to God because God ultimately is the one who defines what love is. Now, um, that means in our culture, and I think the reason this conversation is so important is because in our culture, that's offensive a little bit to say there's a right view of anything. Right, yes. Because what I'm saying is there's a wrong view, too. Maybe an infinite number of wrong views. That's right. Um, it's not necessarily to say that Christians always have the exact, precise right view because mm-hmm. we disagree on, on things. So yeah. if somebody's listening to this and go, well, if you guys have the right view on things, why can't you agree on so many things? Well, we're not saying that we have like the perfect answer, but what, I, what we're saying in relation to this is there is a right definition of the word love. That's right. God knows it. Yeah. God in his kindness has tried to communicate it to us. Yeah. And he's done it. If he is love, he has done it. I mean, I can go so far as to say, you want to see what love looks like? Go to the person of Christ who the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen the glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Right. So you want to see love? Go over to Jesus and take a look. That's right. And so he, he will define it for us. Yeah. And so here, here's what, um, so when the rubber meets the road in this discussion about love, we have to look at um, we have to look at all that Jesus was and all mm. that Jesus said. 
That's right. The Christian, of course, would say, well, our, our best source of information about Christ would be the, the New Testament and the Old Testament as it, as it points forward to him. So we believe the Bible really defines who Christ was and what Christ said and what Christ believed and how Christ saw the world. There is a view out there that there's a, there's a view of Jesus that's different. Right. Not, not the Jesus of the Bible, right. but the Jesus of history. Yes. And so that's the thing that my kids get pummeled into their head. Our college students in the academy these days, if they're going to college, even if they're going to a secular high school, they're, they're going to get... What they're going to hear over and over again is, well, there, yeah, but <clears throat> it's the Jesus of history yeah. that we want to follow because there's a difference yeah. in the Jesus of history yeah. and the Jesus of the New Testament because the New Testament books are tainted. Yeah, it's it's the Thomas Jefferson Jesus. It's the edited Jesus. Yes, the edited version. <laughs> the edited version, the redacted version yeah. of Jesus, right? Yeah. Because Jesus is Jesus is a popular figure. And, and we were just discussing secularism, secularity, mm-hmm. right, based on an article Jeff yeah. Christofferson wrote. So, so it's not so much that they're saying Jesus is not um, important in the discussion. It's just he's one of many options. And this edited version of Jesus is right up here with this ethic yeah. at the same time. Love here, love there. You pick. It's yeah. your buffet. Pick your spiritual flavor. Right. So what when we're talking about love, we're talking about love as defined by the Jesus of the scriptures yes and love as defined by um, the God of creation that's also defined in the scriptures right um, there are all sorts of every year around Christmas you know Time magazine is going to put out some story about who is a real Jesus right and it's it's, um, it's all sorts of uh, critical scholarship from liberal theologians who, who study God but they don't study the God of the scriptures necessarily right um so we're affirming right now, no shame, that, that what we're trying to do is define love by the Scriptures. And the scriptural version of love is the thing that leads to flourishing. That's right. So when God says to us, um, love your neighbor as you love yourself, yeah, um, we have got to love ourselves first in a way that's consistent with a love that comes out of the Scriptures. Right. There's a way in which, and we see it all around us, and it's something that probably is worth talking about because how this touches current events matters so much um, in, in all of our theology. I mean, it's theology in the dirt because the dirt is the world that's swirling around us, right? That's right. <clears throat> so when we're, when we're talking about human sexuality, when we're talking about uh, things like a, abortion, when we're talking about um, ecclesiology, how, how things ought to happen in the church— um, these aren't just political ideas. Right. Some of these would be termed as political, but we're talking about things even inside the church and how we're going to deal with one another and how we're going to, when we're going to bear with one another and when we're not going to bear with one another. Right. All this, again, when we're having a conversation with a friend and they're talking about a problem they're having with um, a spouse or somebody else, the question always is, you know, what's the right thing to do is what's the loving thing to do? Well, the loving thing to do is the thing that is is dictated to us by Scripture. Right. So we want to, um, um, and I, I guess, so I'll ask you, um, give, me, give me your thoughts on a co- the culture of affirmation, the culture of uh, right. saying to you, man, you be you. Right. Because that's the most loving thing I could ever do for you. Right. Is to affirm you. Right. I think, I think our, our world is full of assumption. Okay. I think I think um, 
humanly speaking, a world without the knowledge of God informing who we are and how we act, we have a tendency then to exalt ourselves in a position of authority. You get deconstruction as a worldview, right? So deconstruction as a worldview says that I'm the bringer of meaning. I bring Mm -hmm. meaning to the painting. I bring meaning to the text. I am where meaning lies, Mm -hmm. which is why we can say, what means that for you doesn't mean that for me, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in this world of affirmation, when we have we have deconstruction as a worldview. It's tainted our view of literature, our view of art, our view of life. You're the bringer of meaning. I'm the bringer of meaning. So we can come to the table and you can say this is love and I can say this is love. And in that worldview, right, in that air, I have no right to critique your understanding. I just affirm it. Well, that's your truth. Man, I'm glad you spoke your truth, Keith. That's really, that's really good. Here's my truth. Right. And so then I share my truth and we put them on the table and say how beautiful. Right. So it's it's affirming because if we're the bringer of truth, if we're the determiner of meaning, then there's no place for me to critique that because I'm not you. You're not me. Right. So in essence, we're our own little gods Mm -hmm. who determine what is true. And if that's the case, then I can't critique anybody's view. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's now the ethic isn't. um. And I think critique sounds negative. Like I, even in this environment, you can't even say critique without right. causing some people's blood pressure yeah, to rise, right? Or they start getting a fight or flight thing going on. Yeah, it's a sign of the time. It's I a mean, sign the of the time. That, that word itself brings right. negative emotions. Yeah, we have to understand. Well, it hasn't always. Yes, some people like I think you and I would both say that's how I'm going to get to truth. Is you rub? You got to knock off those rough mm-hmm. edges. You got to tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah. But but so in the age of affirmation, that's not acceptable. Yeah. Totally not acceptable because that may, I don't know what that may do, but it's, it's going to challenge yeah. my view of truth. And so if we're in a world of affirmation and ideas just float and there's never any questioning on whether right. or not they're valid. Right. So I guess um, in, in light of that, and you know, you're talking, you were talking about this is, this is so important because it, um, it just affects every every aspect of our right. lives, whether it's the decisions that are made on our behalf in right. Washington or, or in you know the, the capital city of whatever state you're living in, or right. um, you know the way somebody's going to interpret the scriptures, or the way somebody's going to interpret the Constitution. Right. It's like where does meaning lie? Right. And um, it's it's really only in a in a Christian worldview where we believe there is a God who wrote the book. Right. Like there's a being who defined everything. Yes. And our task is to find out what it is that he's told us. Yes. We don't ascribe meaning to anything. No. I can't I don't ascribe meaning to my sexuality. Right. I can't ascribe meaning to what what marriage is. I can't ascribe meaning uh, I can't even ascribe meaning to what it means to be a particular race. Right. My my search to get to the right answer there is a search to get to the heart of God. Yes. And the only way we can find that is in the scriptures. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to chase this rabbit too far, but right. they're, they're, and people who are listening to this may go, "Well, of course, what are y'all talking about?" I mean, <laughs> right? What do you mean I can't ascribe it? No, there's a, there's an entire yeah. there's an entire structure underneath yeah. the liberal yeah. worldview. Right. I don't mean liberal in the sense of Democrat Republic. I mean liberal right. in the sense that. Things are changing. Nothing right. can be conserved, and we get to define. Yes, that's right. That if I write, I send you a text that says, uh, um, "On the trail that we're on today, right. be careful because there's a hole right in the middle, right. and if you step in it, right. you may go out of sight." <laughs> right. When you get that, yeah, and you go, "Well, I wonder what he means." 
Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter what he means. Right. I think he means there's a dark place in the yeah. trail. It's, it's metaphorical. It's magical. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. go out of sight in a really cool way, and I'm going to be yeah. able to tap it. No, it, it means literally. Like, you don't get to decide. Right. right. I'm trying to tell you there's, there's a, a real hole. hole. Right. right. Yeah. So that seems very, you know, normative for us. But there's an entire worldview that yeah. in 20 or 30 years, our children will go, no, you can't say that about what he's trying to say. That's right. So, well, well that, that whole, that's contributing to the chaos around us because there, there isn't an objective understanding of what love is. Everybody's determining what love is right. for themselves. And it's conflicting depending on what you happen to be ethnically, gender, right. whatever it is. There's no agreement on how to love, <clears throat> so therefore, it's war, right? Because there's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right? Um, is it loving to say <coughs> Black Lives Matter? Right. Is it loving to say? Um, is it loving to say uh, that I should stay married to my wife? Right. No matter what. Come. Right. Come. You know. Yeah. Ill or good. Is it loving to say? Um, that my child has a biological sex that God gave them at birth. Right. Is it loving to... The, the, the list goes on. Right. And the answers to those questions, uh, depending on, on, on like where you feel on this issue, have drastic implications for like the way we're going to live our lives. That's right. Is it loving for me to say at a <laughs> church that you have to buy into our worldview or we're not going to hire you here? Right. Our world, was, um, what's happening inside the, the Supreme Court these days right. is sort of trending towards saying that's not a loving thing to do. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a right to love like that. Yeah. They're determining what love is. Right. Yeah. So I, I want to read um, 1 Corinthians 13. and uh, mm. You let me know when we, we need to break, and we'll, we'll jump in there. I don't know if there's a— Sure. But I'll kind of rely on you that. But Absolutely. So, so 1 Corinthians— First Corinthians 13, verse 4, begins the whole love passage that we've heard at weddings. What's love like from a biblical standpoint? Well, love is patient mm. and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its way, its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Mm. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Um, and then, you know, it, it goes on to say that of faith, hope, and love, love loves the greatest. So as, as we read this, it's, it's pretty straightforward until we start deciding, okay, well, um, well what does it mean to be kind? Mm-hmm. Right? What does right. it mean? What does it mean when it says that love rejoices with the truth? Yeah. That, that means that love is not happy with falsehood. Right. So love isn't always wearing a smile on its face. Right. Love isn't always going, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely. Love's got a no to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because there are boundaries in a world, um, even a world that's not fallen. Yeah. Has boundaries. That's right. So, So you go back to the garden, okay? You got Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They're dealing with the enemy. The enemy comes in and presents himself as someone who seeks the good of Eve. The, the, the devil might have even said to her, right. I'm not saying he did. Right. The devil might have even said to her, Eve, how long have you known me? 
Have I not always loved you? Have I not always looked out for you and, and had the best interest in mind for you? There's definitely a feel of concern. Like, it's coming off as a counter love. Yes. Like, they, you, you've you been held back on. Right. I've got, I've got, I've got an answer for you. Yes. Yeah. I, because I love you, I want you to be. Yeah. I want you to experience the things that this other entity out there right. is telling you isn't good for you. And what he's telling you, the truth is, yeah. if you'll just do what I tell you to do, right. you'll experience things that you couldn't have imagined. Yeah. That sounds like a loving promise. Yeah. Sounds kind of nice. Sounds awesome. There's a reason she did it. It wasn't because this was a, a terrible sounding alternative. Right. So yeah. there's a sense in which... Yeah. Things that sound really good to us, right? Coming with a smile and, and like even <clears throat> genuine and authentic eyes and hearts, yeah, can be giving us information um, on a foundation of what's called love that could be disastrous for us, right? Right. Meaning, not every <laughs> there's not equality in truth, right? There's truth and untruth, right? And there's love and there's not love, right? So your if your love if your version of love differs from mine, we both can't be right. Yeah, it's not possible. Yeah, and so when we when we set out um, to deal with uh, even personal relationships and what it looks like um, to be a to, to be a faithful practitioner of loving someone else as you would have them love you. Right. Um, sometimes that means telling someone no. Right. Sometimes it means saying to someone, um, "No, man, it wasn't okay. You hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. I felt what what happened was, you know, it, to, to love you best would be to go, hey, there's this thing that's been going on, and I feel like you've been unfair to me, right? And because I love you, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my neck out there and say to you, and risk saying to you, um." There's this thing in your life that, I, that I'm afraid you need to maybe a blind spot for you. Right. Um, and and we we as believers have got to recognize that as love. Yeah. Now, someone may do that and they're wrong. Right. <clears throat> but if, if we know one another and we've done life together and right. I've lived in a certain way and, I, and I've been consistent to try to be kind and patient. Yeah. And after we've tried to bear with one another. Right. We've got to get to a place in our in our lives as Christians and inside the church and the way we do church and in our ecclesiology, where I'm open always to Miss Jolly right. and a couple of elders or maybe someone in, in my Bible study group who comes to me and says, look, man, um, because we love you, we're not going to affirm this behavior. Yeah, that's right. And um, and all four of us really are, are here because we love you to say this. So, so love... Um, yeah. Yeah, so love can look like that. It can. Well, I think there's a temptation with with our climate of all truth is equal. Mm-hmm. What has a tendency to win out is a, a love that's merely soft. It's always yes. There's never the critique. There's never the challenge. But but the effect of that is when you go and read the prophets, you can never question whether the prophets loved God nor loved the love mm. the audience. Mm, that's good. That. They clearly love God. Thus says the Lord. But this is what's best for you. Stop doing this yeah. because it's going to kill you. Yeah. And they said it to the point that the people got sick of it and said, Stop talking to us about what the Lord says. 
right? They didn't receive it as love, but you can't question whether or not it was love. It was love. It was conflicting, however, yeah. with that environment of, no, man, this is, no, that's not how I'm defining love. Mm-hmm. So, but the love of God forced them to love their neighbor as themselves because they wanted to please God and they want them to please God. Right. So sometimes loving others looks like saying no to me, like I need to say no to you because mm-hmm. that no is going to save you. Right. Right. But that's not, that's not our environment. Yeah. And so I, I asked my daughter this morning as we were out doing some work with our, our new puppy. I said, uh, Sydney, what, um, what, how would you define love? She said, well, Love is being compassionate. Um, love is caring for other people. And love even means sacrificing for other people. Mm. And I was like, I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And so we, we talked a little bit about, okay, what does it mean to care? And when is it sacrifice? And that kind of thing. But, you know, her first impression was that love's compassion. Mm. And, um, and compassion is literally suffering with them. Yeah, you know, it's like the, the word itself means to suffer alongside. Right. It doesn't mean compassion doesn't mean always affirming you. That's right. I'm not being compassionate only when I say to you, "Good job, Mitch." That's right. Knocked it out of the park this time. Right. Okay. And this analogy has been used over and over again, but it's it's dead on. You take your child to the doctor. Right. They make a legitimate assessment. They're, the doctor isn't going okay. Shoot. <clears throat> I've got to make sure that I give them good news. Yeah, that's right. At all costs. Yeah. Right? Right. I want them to leave here happy. That's not the job. There's not a doctor worth of salt that's going to, or her salt that's yeah. going to do that. Yeah. The doctor's going to find, he's going to aim at truth and then give a, a proper diagnosis. And then they're going to give a remedy that even if it's painful, you, the doctor's going to have to make a decision. Okay. Well, I can, you, you've got, a, you, you know, you've got a, you know, some sort of bacterial infection. Right. I can either give you a pill. It may take a little bit longer to work. I can give you a shot. Yeah. That's going to get in there immediately. Right. Or we can do nothing and just let you suffer and, and, and see what happens. Maybe it'll work itself out. Right. But but what they're going to do, they're never going to ask the question, which one's going to feel better? Right. We've got to give the thing that's necessary. Yes. So for me, like if we were to define love yeah. from a biblical sense... Love is to is to is to do what's best for someone. That's right. In God's definition of best, in light of eternity past and eternity future, what's the best thing for this person? Yeah, that's right. It may mean punching them in the mouth. Yeah, knocking them out. Right. So that you could get them calm and to say, you remember when the, in the <laughs> what was it, Mr. T? Um, Shoot, what was that old show? You remember the show? The 18? The 18, the 18 yeah. yeah. Mr. T wouldn't fly. So they had to knock him out every time. <laughs> to get him they on couldn't the plane. Get him, he would have never got to the place they right. needed him to get to for him to do the good that they are going to do. Yeah. They had to knock him out first. Right. Sometimes our, yeah. the thing that's best for us is, is to get knocked out. It's huge. It's absolutely essential. Let's take a break right here, and I want to come back on the other side of that, and let's, let's follow that trail just a minute. Okay. All right, so you talked about the example. Sometimes love is getting punched in the face, right? And, and the instant you said that, I had Matthew 23. And you read Matthew 23 and Jesus denouncing these woes on the spiritual elite. Oh, yeah. It's easy for us to read that and it, and it come across because, again, I don't think any, any of us Christians would sit here and say, I have a soft view of love. Right. 
But we read Jesus, and particularly if anybody preaches that message to the spiritual elite, that's not going to come across as loving. But what Jesus was saying to them was, when Paul said, love does not rejoice in wrong, but in the truth, Jesus was speaking them the truth. You're a whitewashed tomb. Unless you recognize it, you're going to be eternally condemned forever. You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and when you do, you make them twice the son of hell that you are. That is a damning statement. But if we said earlier that if we want to see God as love, He's holy love, and Jesus put on display God and His perfection, there's nothing in Matthew 23 that's not loving. Right. That, that, that gives me goosebumps. Me too. That is loving. But yes. that, that, doesn't, that doesn't fly in America, even in our, our, I don't hate to say this, but maybe even our own church. Right. I don't think anybody would look at that and go, oh, that's loving. Well, right. how sweet. Right? It's not sweet, but it's love, right? Yes. And it's huge. And so... Um, the thing that, that is is uh, really I just feel led to say about this is is we as Christians have got to foster and nurture um, a perspective where we seek that. Right. Like I've got to be a guy who acknowledges number one that I've got blind spots. Yeah. Every 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 human being does. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be a I've got to be tenacious yeah. about digging those things out and exposing them to the light. Right. One of the greatest means that God has for us is the church. That's right. To help us, you know, take those, you know, God has this vision of us of who we can be. Right. When we're fully in Christ. Right. And there, that, that involves adding some things on and involve, it involves knocking some things off. Um, sometimes that process is painful. Sometimes it's wonderful and it feels great. Yeah. But the truth is like, as a believer, my greatest good is if I can nurture something in me where I'm constantly coming to Jolly and going, man, where's the, where's my, where are my blind spots? Right. And I've got to be willing to hear it. Right. Now, if, if you come to me and say, Thompson, where are my blind spots? And I go, man, I, I feel like you're in pretty good shape. You may be here. You know? Right. And you ask three other people who are close to you and nobody mentions that to you. Right. Then maybe I just missed it. Not, not the, so much that I've been unloving toward you. Right. But that's the beauty of the of the church, right? When four people in the church tell you this is a problem, yeah, and you walk away and go, they're crazy. They're crazy, <laughs> right? Those people have just loved me, right, in a way that's very biblical. That's right. Because what they're hoping for is redemption. Yeah, they're not trying to cut me. Right. They're trying to knock the cancers off me. Right. So that I can come back. And become more Christ-like, and that's the that's the role in the church. Now, some like we said, love is love is kindness. Love is me coming to you and saying, "Man, you're doing awesome." Like I, the, the Lord used you in that message Sunday in ways that you know I've read that text a hundred times, and somehow what you said to me, the Lord spoke to me in a way that that is probably going to make a huge. It's going to be a milestone in my life. That's love, right? Um, I don't think nobody's. Nobody who is listening to this is going to go. I don't think that's love, right? Like that's not the need, the most needful thing right now. Yeah, in our world, that's right. Everybody agrees that's loving. Yeah, it feels like to me the thing that's gotten us sidetracked and where we're at most risk. Like if there's a line, a, a, a landmine out there for the church that I'm afraid needs to be exposed. Right. It's this notion that if you don't agree with me, you haven't loved me. That's right. Yeah. And so that's um, 
Yeah. You know, what you described here with, with Jesus, Jesus of history. Yeah. Those, those people out there who want us to believe that Jesus was this guy who always affirmed and always smiled and always said, man, I love you no matter what. And you be you and whatever you feel like you is. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. That is not the Jesus of no. history no, that's or right. the Bible. That's right. And even to the point that he's telling these guys and and hoping for their redemption, right? That woe unto you yeah. if you do this. Yes. I don't see Jesus with anger in his eyes and this nasty look on his face like some people do. Jesus isn't saying woe to you like I hate you. He's saying right. woe to you like yeah. I mean, woe, woe to you if you don't take this medicine. Yeah. You're in the darkness, and I want you to be in the light. Woe to you if you don't flip this switch on. Yeah. Man, the, the, the future for you, if you keep on this path, is going to be disastrous. That's right. That's right. He even says to them, you have an evangelistic zeal because you will go on mission. You travel over land and sea to make a convert, but what you don't realize is you're making him a son of hell just like you. Mm-hmm. That pillages my soul because right. I don't want to be guilty of turning someone into what I think is right and all the while I'm wrong. And man, that is so possible. It is possible. You're not above it. I'm not above it. That's right. And so if if you were to say, man, so what's the takeaway message for this for me? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that this notion of love that has that that says love is a real thing. It's it's God is love. It's maybe the most important thing because God is love. Yeah. <clears throat> this this notion of love it has boundaries. That's right. That's it right. It can't be anything you want it to be. And so that everything that love can bring for us into our lives. That's right. All the flourishing yeah. that love can bring. It 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 only means a certain thing. That's right. So there's a sense in which you and I both can just lean into something with all sincerity and authenticity. And if we're not anchoring it to the scriptures, we could be bringing destruction. That's right. It ought to create for, for a, in us a really serious weightiness. Yeah. That when I'm loving my kids, if I'm not loving them in the way the Bible says I should love them, I can be doing damage. And there's no other place I can find the answers for what that love That's looks right. like. It should drive us all to the Scripture. Absolutely. Because only there will we see the distinction between love and holy love. Because because mm, yeah. God is He's love, but He's holy love, right? His love is completely set apart. It's completely other. It's not defined by creatures. Right. My definition, your definition. He is love. His love is completely set apart and holy. And unless I get on that standard, I'm way below what it ought to be. There's times where it is affirming. You know, Paul talks about uh, on his journey to Rome. You know, he, he he's struggling, he's in bondage, and he said, the Lord stood by me and encouraged me. Mm. So that holy love sometimes looks like when we're on the path and everybody's against us, right. he stands and he lifts us up and says, hey, I, I hung on the cross. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> they treated me this way, they're going to treat you this way. Mm. Stand up, let's go. Right. right? And then sometimes it's going to like, hey, Paul, you're just wrong about John Mark. Mm. You're just wrong. Yeah. I'm going to send him to the encourager, and you'll find him useful later, but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then Paul's dying and going, bring John Mark. He's useful yeah. for ministry. Yeah. yeah. So he got corrected, right? Sure. That's one of those, you don't know how that worked out mm-hmm. in the text, but at the end of life, he discovered he was wrong about John Mark. Right. And so somewhere the Lord lifted him and he corrected him because it's holy love. Right. And we're, we're fallen people. And there are times when I felt like I was loving my kids and I wasn't. Right. 
and I had to apologize. Right. Um, I mean, not even in times of, you know, because as a parent, sometimes you just get mad. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you parent out of anger. Yeah. But right. even there are times when you're not parenting out of anger and you think you've got the right answer and you didn't mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And, you know, so, yeah, there, there are times when we're going to try to love people well. Right. And we're not going to do that. Right. But the, the sort of the, the, um, the message is when, when my wife, when Marcia comes to me and says, why did you say that? Like, why did you parent that way? when you're dealing with Caleb or Eli or Sydney, there, there's a, there should be a go-to in every believer that, that immediately goes back to um, the answer comes from uh, lenses that are biblical. And as I'm searching for answers to that yeah. question, I'm looking at my world and my intentions yeah. through biblical lenses. Yes. The moment we start answering difficult questions in life about why I did this or, or why I think we ought to do that, and there's an absence of, of biblical insight. Right. We ought to be really concerned. And there's no way to get there, Mitch, by me showing up and listening to you every Sunday. That's right. That's part of it. Right. But it's so much more than that. That's right. And we live we live in a we live in a time where there's this um, this arrogance that that we're the most enlightened people who have ever lived. Right. So if we're doing it this way, it must be kind of right. Right. But there was a time in history where where children knew more Bible than most Christians do now. Yeah. And and when, when a person looks around and they say, well, I don't, you know, in the world that I see, there's the theologians and there's the pastors and then there's the rest of us, so that must be okay. I would urge people to say, no, don't, don't let your world around you um, convince you that that's the way things ought to be. All right. Get in the Scriptures. Yeah. Ask yourself the question as you're reading through the Scriptures. Is it okay for those guys to have all the answers and us not to? Mm. Because I don't have time to read my Bible. Right. right. What you're going to find in the Scriptures is a clear answer to that. That's exactly right. And so when you're going, what's love mean to me? And when I'm watching CNN and when I'm watching MSNBC and I'm watching Fox News and I'm right. listening to um, guys have conversations uh, before Sunday school about this or that or the other— the, the loving thing to do is to read your Bible <laughs> and, and, and to then right. generate your answers yeah. out of the, the meta-narrative of the Scriptures. That's right. Um, That's exactly right. And it's a journey. It is a journey. And, and, and it's going to require us to, like you said, it's not coming here in one sermon a week and thinking the problem solved. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm in my Bible, I'm daily grinding this out. And I'm trialing and erroring. I'm repenting. Repentance. Yeah. I would. I would argue the probably the chief characteristic of life of a believer ought to be repentance because we're constantly bumping up against our flesh yeah. and realizing, oh, that's wrong. So correct that behavior. I, in, in the mornings when I walk and pray, my chief prayer for myself is help me to love right. Mm-hmm. And the reason I pray that is because I'm constantly comparing myself to God who is love, and I see it. Like it's mm-hmm. not like I'm deceived. Like I look in my kids and I see, I'm looking in a mirror and and I see the list of all of my failures and I'm going, I didn't love well there. And it's just a constant reflection. Mm -hmm. So Lord, I got to learn to love right. Right. And I had to grind that out. That doesn't happen in a sermon. That happens. I look at the text and go, Oh gosh, boy, I dropped that bad. Right. And then it's correction. Go try again. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we all wake up in the morning with questions. Right. You know, 
I've got things I need to do today. There are issues in my life that I need answers for. Right. Um, you know, we're we're at we're all at an impasse or a, we're all at a crossroads constantly. Right. Trying to figure out which road to take. Um, the great thing about reading through the Bible every year, um, especially if you're reading uh, if you're reading bits and pieces, you got some readings yeah. from the Old Testament and some readings from the New Testament. Yeah. Is that these questions that are in our minds? Yeah. These super practical questions about. You know, are we going to go to this thing Saturday night, or am I going to do this other thing? Right. All those things are swirling around in your head, and <laughs> right. you, as you're reading these, these scriptures, the Lord answers you. He answers you. It's there. It's you, in the meta narrative. Yeah. I might not be a chapter and verse, right? But the answer is in the narrative. Yeah, and it, yeah. You know, it it gives me chill bumps again to even think about this because the God does it yeah. over and over again in my life. It's like if I'm not in, if I hadn't been reading that this morning, right, right, I would come up with an answer. Yeah, and maybe it. Yeah. There's a good shot. It, w- it would have been right. Maybe it would have been wrong. Right. But the truth is, how do you do life practically day in and day out as a believer? Right. Getting guidance from the Lord. It's it's from reading the Bible. It is. Absolutely. That's it. It's there. It, we yeah. say it's in the manual, right? Yeah. It's in the manual. All right. Final thoughts on love. Uh, you go, and then I'll go, and then uh, and then we'll, we'll okay. be done. What are some of your final thoughts yeah. on love? Final thoughts on love is that it has a definition. Yes. Um, and it's not, uh, as believers, we can be bold enough to say that we have the right answer. Yeah. It's not arrogant for a Christian to say, in the secular um, in the public square, even. That's right. Um, so you think you have the answer, Thompson. Man, I'm telling you that I believe there is an answer. And I believe that the Christian worldview is the only one that's going to approximate the answer. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah, I believe that the Christian worldview has the answer. And I, I, I believe that there is a right definition of love. And I think the Bible can give us, the Lord didn't give us uh, his word and he didn't reveal to us himself in the scriptures in a way in which it was beyond us. That's right. So there's enough information there for us to get close enough, right? That's right. So the love has a definition. The Bible defines it. Therefore, when I think about love and I think about loving God and loving others, I think about the Bible. Yeah. Because I think about God and my greatest sense of who he is is in the scriptures and in Christ. So love is definable. It's the, you go to the scriptures to find that definition, and then as we live it out, um, sometimes it feels good. Yep. Human beings are are um, we are cognitive. We think. We have affections, so we have emotions and feelings, and we have a will, where we use those. We put those together and then make a decision. That's right. Um, loving well involves all of those. It's not just the affections. That's right. That's right. So that's that's, that's good. That's solid. We could we could talk about this for days because it's infinite. I mean, yeah. I think it was Packer who said uh, when we um, we are infinitely. No, it was, that, it was uh, Spurgeon. Packer was quoting Spurgeon when he talks about knowing God, and he says the mind that sets itself on the disciplines is is only so deep because the disciplines are created. They only go. I'm totally paraphrasing Spurgeon. They only go so deep. But the mind that sets itself on God is infinitely deep because the infinite creator of the universe, and there's no mm-hmm. bounds to the nature of God. And we talk about God's nature as holy and love. This is not doable in the 40 minutes that we spent here so we've just scratched the surface of what love is so i i I affirm what you said for people go to the text wrestle with love love as as holy love and then right now you know the the bible teaches us that 
the summary of the whole law is love God and love your neighbors yourself. Wrestle with what that looks like. What is it like to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Because He is love. He's holy. How do I love Him right? The answer is in the text. It's there. And then to love my neighbor as myself, it is also in the text. But it is also so counter-cultural that it's costly. Love comes off as easy. Love is the hardest executable task of the Christian today because it will cost us. But it is ultimately for our holiness and and I think our salvation mm-hmm. is tied up in that because if we don't progress to that, we've never known Him. That's right. Because He says in First John, He who does not love doesn't know God. Mm-hmm. So love's got to be there. Yeah. But it's got to be His love as defined by Him. Sure. So let's all strive for that. Thanks, Keith. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate it. Tune in next week. See ya. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions if you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.